0: If we don't change the nursing consciousness, we cannot change the nursing culture. I'll repeat it. If we do not change the nursing consciousness, we cannot change the nursing culture to make our culture better, right? Oh, I gotta go.
1: I've been working, told them please don't hit my phone. I'm in my zone, bro, just leave me alone. Was on the road, but I saw I'm coming home.
2: Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my old friends calling, told them nothing's for free. Told me time is money, boss
1: that's why I paid on my fees. I was starving for this day. now my fan they can eat.
2: Hello everyone, welcome to the Cup of Nurses podcast with your hosts Peter and Matt. We are two nurses on a mission to change this world, one conversation at a time. So let's jump right into it. If you find value in this show and want to join us on this mission, please share and review the show it would mean absolutely everything to us. CupofNurses.com for all the info, latest updates of what we're up to, and any of our merch releases. For our Conscious Movement and our Lifestyle Podcast, you can check out WeAreFrontlineWarriors.com. In this episode, we would like to introduce you to Annette
1: Tersini. Annette is a former Hollywood actor and cover girl turned nurse, healer, and wellness crusader. She is a founder of Yoga Nurse and yoga nursing a new movement in healthcare nursing and yoga for the past 25 years she has motivated thousands of nurses patients and students to live more enlightened healthful and spiritual lives we talk about how nurses handle stress and the powers of mindfulness
2: and wellness hey Annette how are you welcome to the show can you give us a little background about yourself
0: Oh, my goodness. I'm delighted to be on the show and a little background on myself. Well, yeah, we want the one minute, three minute or one hour version.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you feel comfortable with. We're ready for
0: it. it. You're ready for it. Okay. Well, uh, mm, uh, I wasn't always a nurse. Um, Actually, this is kind of shocking, but it's the truth. The last thing in the world I ever wanted to be in my life was a nurse. That's true hurts my heart to say that right now because it turned out to be the best thing in my life that happened was to become a nurse but i started off long ago i wanted to be in show business i wanted to be a model an actress i wanted to go to hollywood fast forward i did spent many years in hollywood i had a professional name and i had an extraordinary life working with top actors and cover girl and no compromising of my character, despite all of this Me Too stuff out there. It wasn't Me Too. Maybe that's why I didn't become famous. (laughs) But nonetheless, I made a living. (laughs) And that was a hell of a hard thing to do. I made a living as an actor and a model. And I got to live my dream. Mm -hmm. And I did that for many, many years. And then I moved on, I became a mother. It heavy duty, too, but this is a real show. You don't want to use it, it's fine. <laughs> you want to use it, it's fine. Um, I became the mother of a, an autistic child named Julian. So I was not a nurse, okay? I was an actor, model, um, and I did a lot of TV commercials, so then I became the mother, period. And then I really was a mother, and then I had my son Julian, and he was autistic, and I didn't even know what autistic meant in those days. Mm-hmm. But we're nurses, right? So you know what autism is, right? Yeah. yeah. So for me, I didn't know anything about autism except that in those days, it was like heavy-duty pronouncement of Mm. life not going to be good or happy. And so I spent many years struggling with that, but my son was low-function. He wasn't one of these genius autistic types, right? and fast forward he's 37 years old he's in a group home Um, he has the um, level of a three-year-old so it was a tough one it was a really tough one to bite off and chew big time and i had no medical background whatsoever and i crashed and i burned i'm going to make this fast scan speed it up you can always speed it up in the background recording right (laughs) <laughs> no you're doing great you're doing great just keep going <laughs> so i will try to talk really really, really fast here. so speeding up um, i crashed and i burned and it was a real uh, long period of poor me and why me and um, i started doing all these personal development courses and getting into psychology and human behavior and so forth trauma this and that and like how to figure out how to deal with my own shit, if I can say that, S-H-I-T in plain language, okay? So I wouldn't be a burden to other people, which I was starting to be a drag because I was really tired of people coming up to me and saying, what's wrong in Because I guess I wore my trauma on my face, mm-hmm. right? That's powerful, yeah. So,
2: And how did everything happen where you got into nursing was that after this phase that you went through to do this uh, self development?
0: Well, yes, exactly. Um, the self development, so, so that I could survive the trauma of still being with my son, who was stayed with us until we were about 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into yoga from the personal development. I'd been in yoga my whole life from the time I was 17. Mm-hmm. But I decided to take a yoga teacher training which turned out to be possible because my son was in a group home. I did a yoga teacher training for a month at the Kapala Yoga Center. It changed my life. I ended up studying with um, a great, brilliant doctor, um, an endocrinologist by the name of Deepak Chopra. You must have heard of Deepak Chopra. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of Deepak yeah, Chopra? Yeah. Are we all the same? Yes. OK, yes. so I heard saw Deepak before anybody knew who Deepak was, before anybody knew what Ayurveda was, and studied with his colleague, David Simon, who was a brilliant neurologist. The two of them were brilliant MDs, but at the same time, they were into consciousness studies. They were into, quote-unquote, expanding consciousness and finding a way in the healthcare system that would take the best of the Western allopathic model and marry it to the best of the Eastern model and speak a language that Westerners would understand and not scare them from that yoga stuff. Um, So they mastered that language. Mm -hmm. And they pulled me in like a fish. And fast forward, I started to study with them. I went to San Diego. Everybody in the audience was a nurse. Mm -hmm or a doctor, or a PhD in this, or a psychologist. They were all medical people. Me I had a background as a model, an actress, but I was a good yoga teacher. I had that going for me. I knew it was a calling, this yoga thing, and there was something there where I could make a new contribution, how I could show up. So when I was at the training with Deepak, and with David, and all those doctors and nurses, I'm sitting with these nurses and doctors, And they didn't get the yoga stuff. They didn't get that consciousness part. Mm -hmm. So uh, Deepak had to spin it in a way that he was talking quantum physics and molecules and all that stuff and tying it in so the two worlds would meet. The East Mm -hmm. and the West—union, unity consciousness versus separation. Mm -hmm. How to unite, how to make the person one, the community one. And I'm looking at these nurses and I'm going, my God, and doctors. And I thought, wow, if I was a doctor and I had this yoga business, it's an Ayurveda. Whoa, could I make a difference? It's too late for me to be a doctor, way too late, because I was a late, late starter. Mm. Okay, I'm old enough to be your mom, maybe your grandma. (laughs) But yoga has preserved me. Plus good genetics, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm talking to the nurses and I'm thinking, wow, but a nurse, me, a nurse, not you know, quite a nurse, yeah. But if I could be a nurse and be a yoga teacher, then people would take me much more seriously. I could reach a much bigger audience because I'd have the credibility because nurses are the most trusted profession, right, gentlemen? That's correct in the front lines okay we didn't sign up as warriors okay Uh, we are warriors that save lives we don't take lives we save lives so i figured that would give me the best possible chance to reach the biggest population and suddenly yoga nurse yoga nursing Hell yeah, yoga nurse. I'm going to trademark that, and I'm going to start something new. And the rest is history. And I'm not going to say another word for the rest of the interview. (laughs) You've got the big picture.
1: (laughs) So so you speak a lot about consciousness and about Deepak. So what does consciousness mean to you? How do you view consciousness?
0: Oh, now that's a great question. I asked that question when I was about your age is when I was studying with him, and it was like, how do I, what's consciousness, okay, so um, I asked, and he gave me a heavy-duty answer that took me many years to work with, and it was David's answer, David, who was a neurologist, subsequently died of brain cancer, talk about uh, the universe doing its thing, but I was lucky to be with him before, so I said, David, can you give us a definition of consciousness, what's What's consciousness? And he said, consciousness is where the material world meets the immaterial world.
1: So what does that mean? Okay. Or, or it meets.
0: So what does that mean? That's heavy, right? Okay. So there's the according to yoga. Now I'm talking to according to yoga. I'm not saying this is absolute truth. OK, but this is huge when it comes to healing, because the whole point of this is to help to heal you and heal your patients and heal the world. Mm-hmm. So the point is, is that according to Ayurveda and the consciousness um explanation of the theory of the universe and healing is that all illness begins in the immaterial before it comes into your body and manifests as heart disease or cancer or colitis or rheumatoid or you name it on the spectrum okay of disease process before it manifests in the body, it starts in the mind. It starts in the immaterial and the consciousness. In other words, the formless. You can't see your mind right now, right? But you know you have one. Yes? Are you with me?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. So it starts there. So if you're thinking and you've been exposed to trauma or you have uh, been uh, programmed with no cause, um Uh, no fault, no blame, you know, circumstantial, but that doesn't mean we can't change it, Um, to beat yourself up, or you've been told you're not good enough, or uh, mea culpa, mea culpa, or you've been subjected to violence, um, uh, the whole spectrum of, of abuse without identifying it, and you haven't learned how to deal with it. According to Ayurveda and holistic studies, it's going to show up in your consciousness that you're conscious of thinking about this stuff all the time. It's going to show up somewhere in your body in the form of disease. So the idea is to treat the conscious disease problem in the mind. That you're conscious of thinking about that you normally don't tell anybody because we don't want people to know that we're that effed up right so we pretend that we're good but we're really not good or so good Mm -hmm. and so that's consciousness what we think about in plain language is what we become what we resist persists. And if we don't treat it on the level of the mind and our psyche, make no mistake, it's going to show up in the body and we're going to suffer more. So my whole deal is with the yoga principle is to deal on the level of the mind and the body and the soul to expand the treatment process from that perspective, as well as the traditional process. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that traditional psychology, traditional medicine. And again, it's a union. It's a merging of those two. Mm-hmm. And then therefore, um, you know, one of my, my bylines and the yoga's model, yoga nurse model of care is what is the yoga nurse model of care mission is to expand consciousness and healthcare. And I'm going to sum up here. If we don't change the nursing consciousness, we cannot change the nursing culture. I'll repeat it. If we do not change the nursing consciousness, we cannot change the nursing culture to make our culture better. Right, gentlemen?
2: That's very powerful. Was that
0: long-winded answer for you?
2: Yeah, I I love these conversations. I could talk about it forever. But as far as the, the nursing consciousness, so that means that just like consciousness is collective, collectively in nursing, there is this wound that you're just expressing and we have to heal that wound first before we could collectively make a difference in healthcare. Right.
0: Glory, glory. Yes, yes. You heard me loud and clear. Thank you.
2: So how
1: do you how do you change that mindset so then you could then change the, the culture? How do you have somebody start thinking differently? Is it through yoga or what is your solution to being able to change the way somebody thinks or the way someone maybe deals with trauma or the way they end that trauma.
0: Yeah, that's a juicy one. Well, you know, yoga is one way. And actually, when I position, when I'm teaching nurses to teach this, because that's what I'm doing, I'm building a global army of nurses to go out and take their traditional nursing practice add the yoga, therapeutic yoga, as an adjunct therapy. So adjunct, right? We know what adjunct is. And yoga is just one way, but I prefer to call it stress relief and pain management, Mm. because yoga scares people. It's not all inclusive. A lot of people go, "Eh, I don't wanna do that yoga stuff. But if you talk to corporate, or in your organization, or you're doing a gig, Wherever you're doing, you're traveling, or you're, you know, you're you're in your hood doing your your service in your hospital or you're in public health or you're um, teaching in colleges and universities, however, in the full spectrum of, of nursing, the way that I find found that I can reach the biggest number of people is to present in position the treatment plan that we offer as stress relief and pain management, that we're relieving stress, anxiety, pain, and suffering. And yes, we do it with a therapeutic yoga model. That's one way. And that treats, again, the body, the mind, and the soul, so that we include the whole person. We know now that in the US military, I've worked with the military, Actually, my boyfriend is a Vietnam vet, and that's a heavy-duty trauma. She's right break through that, and lots of different treatments for that. But the bottom line is the person has to be willing to change. So number one, willing. Are you willing to do something because you're fed up with the old pain story? So we can talk systemically as nurses. The nursing profession, we know what our challenges are. We don't have to go into that on this interview, right? Mm-hmm. We know what our challenges are. But for whatever reason, it hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. I've been in this for 20 years. It has not changed. I came in because I was teaching nurses. I was invited in to deal with nurses' stress and pain and back pain and, you know, all the heavy lifting in the mind and the body and all that whole nursing thing that we carry but we show up anyway Mm -hmm. right so people have to be willing if you present management it has to start uh, one of the ways it happens is it happens with management hiring somebody to come in not just as a yoga person some conscious people to bring them in to up lift the organization, all organizations do that. They have to do it. And, or the individual nurse signs up, you continue to do what you do. I continued what I did. I did the floor, I worked on the floor, I had to walk the walk before I talked the talk. But I always had a vision of counseling, helping, doing something else. I knew the nursing was a stepping stone. It wasn't the final gig for me. And I know that it's not the final gig for thousands of nurses out there because I've been doing this now for 20 years and talking to nurses like you in all ages, you know, from the 20s up to the 70s and in between. And some are in there for life and others are ready to transition to do something else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you yourself can be someone who can be an instrument to bring for example okay we're talking about me and my gig and the yoga nurse model of care the therapeutic model to yourself first heal or heal thyself then you can take it into patient care and then you can actually take it broadly and be a positioning yourself as a consultant or an expert in stress relief and pain management to deal with nurses and, or uh, you can take it directly, for example, to cardiac patients or orthopedic patients or cancer patients as an adjunct. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Ask me a question, I'll talk for a long time.
2: I, I love how you mentioned healing consciousness. And I was going to ask you, how do we heal the healthcare consciousness or the consciousness of nursing so we can change it? So you mentioned yoga and if you were to summarize that in a few sentences for all the nurses listening out there how does this healing look is it just embracing your current self and giving yourself unconditional love what does that healing look like so we could heal ourselves first and then make the change by spreading that into the patients and changing the culture of united states or the world in this case
0: and truly, I believe we can. as I believe it's a global movement that each one is responsible for. And I believe that what I'm doing was a calling. Absolutely it was a calling. Because like I said, I, I didn't want to be worse. it was like the magic makers. the God, the goddess, the divine, the spirit, the great, the holy, whatever you want to believe uh, is greater than you, the higher power. The HP. So we all have that. And I believe that we need to get in touch with that first. So the, uh, it's a revolution of the heart and the soul. In the yoga nurse model of care, it's called the sacred remedy. Because I believe, Peter and Matt, what nurses do is sacred. It is. We give sacred service. Another word for sacred is holy. It's holy from the etymology of the word holy, whole, to make oneself whole. So healer, you make yourself whole, then you can walk the talk, then you bring that wholeness, which is felt and tactile to others that you are in contact with, and indeed with your patients. So you become a true healer. And in the sacred remedy, we have three parts. It's sacred breath, Sacred movement, sacred rest. Sacred breath, sacred movement, sacred rest. Translated into nursing, sacred breath. Well, ABCs, y'all, right? Airway, breathing, circulation. Are we, you know, are we presently breathing? Are we really like aware that we're breathing? And do some deep diaphragmatic breathing right now. A couple of big deep breaths. land in the moment. Anchor yourself. Where am I? I'm ready to freak out. I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to this. I'm ready to that. Or I need to get through this next shift. And so now I'm with the patient. So what do I do now is I do the same thing with the patient. Mr. Jones, the patient doesn't know that I just got an extra assignment. I got to walk in there and pretend it's cool and at the same time, I've got to make sure you know that I'm giving blood next door and I got to get in there in the next 15 minutes to make sure, do the vitals. But right now, this person needs pain medication, they're having trouble breathing, two other nurses just called out, you're with me, right? So how do we get through it and take care? So now I'm breathing with Mr. Rose, but at the same time, I get to do it for myself and then... A great thing, I take your hand and we do it together. So let's breathe together, Mr. Rose, and do that. And that's the first thing. And that's the foundation. That's the breath that connects you and grounds you. And then if there's time, there's sacred movement that once upon a time we used to call range of motion that I don't think nurses even have time to do that, know what it is anymore. Range of motion means your arms up, let's do it here. Like, you know, we're sitting here, do it with me, gentlemen reach your arms up over your head. Listeners, reach your arms up over your head, lengthen out of your spine. That's it. And then climb a ladder. And so now we get some movement because as we're the patient too, nurses are patients too. It's like, it's like a neuro check. Check. (laughs) You got it. But that's what you can do for yourself and your patient at the same time. Okay. So just doing that's a big deal. Also, you're assessing a lot of things for yourself and your patient by doing that, okay? So whole assessment that goes along with asking Mr. Rose or, you know, Miss Daisy, you know, if she can follow the assessment. And then thirdly, okay, so sacred breath, that's diaphragmatic breathing. Sacred movement, that's range of motion. Get some movement happening, a stretch for you, your patient. And then number three, I love the power of three, Holy Trinity. Number three is sacred rest, because we know that the most important criteria ever for patient healing, your healing, our healing, the world's healing, is rest. Because that's when the body repairs itself. Fresh air, rest, all of these basic things, sunshine, vitamin D, getting out on the ocean like I am right now behind me is, you know, this amazing vista of paradise, mother nature. It's the old school stuff that we have lost touch with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the yoga way after many years of trial and error and failing, doing it all wrong, to find out what's right. And so the yoga that I bring, that I'm hoping will cause a change of consciousness is something that's easy, proven, and anyone can do, Easy proven anyone can do. We don't get people to get down on the floor. Who has time to get on the floor? Got to be real. This, I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that after hours, but I'm talking about real life when you're showing up on 12, 13, 14 hour shifts, if somebody dies at the end of the shift, you know, you're there for a longer period of time, whatever, it's life, right? So it's really about how to deal with every moment in life, breathing, movement, rest. Mm. So where do you
1: think nurses should start that are kind of borderline getting into this more of a, you could say spiritual or more of an awakening phase? Do you think they should start with just some meditation where they focus on a breath and they explore their thoughts? What's a good starting point to awaken someone's consciousness in a sense?
0: Okay. Thank you for asking. Um, again, one has to be willing. So the starting point is um, I'm tired of doing it this way. Something else has to work. And maybe I'm going to give this mindfulness, consciousness, meditation thing a whirl. Mm-hmm. And you can start out. There's a whole bunch of free apps out there. You know this. Google the top three meditation Apps okay, and you start or YouTube. You know, there's millions of choices out there, but the bottom line is to learn how to be still, Mm. quiet down, and listen to the still small voice so you can get clarity because our world is on overwhelmed with all these noise machines. I call them noise machines. I just made that up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's constant noise and we're being pulled in a million directions and we can't concentrate mm-hmm. for a minute. And I couldn't concentrate. In the beginning, I was only interested in yoga, Peter and Matt for physical exercise. I didn't mm-hmm. care about meditation and the spiritual stuff. I wanted to do it so I'd look good, feel good. And it did that. Make no mistake. But it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I was a tough case, and I met some great teachers. And when I'd suffered enough, I was ready to try a different way. So I'm not <laughs> suggesting that you suffer before you get woke, but sometimes you gotta suffer before you wake up. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, a lot of theorists <laughs> say that life is suffering. And you mentioned you mentioned noise uh, noise machines and those are like the external factors but when I first started meditating and really really sitting down and listening to my thoughts I realized how big of a noise machine my, my mind is my brain is and it was almost it was almost hard to find who who I really am because there's so much dialogue going on in my head there's so much different ideas where you get lost in all, out of this you have so much different opinions different ideas thoughts you never imagined you, you'd have. So how do you find that one internal voice that that really is you? Is there a way to do it or does it just take time and just understanding?
0: Everything that you said is absolutely normal because we don't shut up. The mind is constantly making noise because it's like there's this person inside a radio that's on all the time. Okay, I'm looking at you right now and, but there's a ton of stuff going on. And you're exactly right. And when we start, we notice the noise for the first time when we start to meditate. Just like you said, it's exactly like that. But it's kind of like a dog, you know, that's constant. Like we're, we're trying to ground ourselves. That's why we're given something like the breath, something simple, the most simple meditation is to follow the breath. You know? Just watch your breath, inhale, exhale. Breath coming in, breath coming out. But overlapping the breath coming in, breath coming out as your mantra. A mantra is an instrument of the mind, an instrument, an anchor, that you have something to hold on to. So that's why you're given a word like go or breathe in, breathe out. So you have something to come back to. But the, the mind is like a crazy little puppy that wants to run away all the time. And you've got to say, hey. Lassie, come home. And you gotta bring the dog back. Set that dog down there. Calm down. Okay. And then you get back into your own, om, om, or breathe in and breathe out. And that's the dance. And that's going to go on like crazy until the dog starts to get tanked, right? Slowly but surely, dog listens, dog quiets down. Doc stays beside you quiet for a long time before he runs to tear up a sock or a shoe or whatever else it's going for. So it's a process. And the fact is, it's a process for the rest of our lives. Okay? It really is. What's important is the space in between the thoughts. This is the big takeaway here. I learned this from Deepak, Deepak Chopra. There's a gap between our thoughts, just like in the breath. Like right now, if you notice your breath, everybody with me, you inhale. At the very top of your breath, there's a little space. That's the turnaround. And you exhale. And at the bottom of the breath, there's a little space. And in between is your life. Top of the breath, a little pause. Bottom of the breath, a little pause. Everything in between, you're living in between. Mm -hmm. Your dharma, your purpose in life. So that gap starts to get bigger where it's not full of all of this stuff fear, stress, anxiety, pain, and suffering, thinking about the past, thinking about the future. So, you know, the practice has always been with the woke people, the enlightened ones, which, bottom line, the goal is not to be enlightened. The goal is to have some freaking bees, Mm -hmm. right? Peace in yourself, peace in the nursing profession, peace in the world. Mm -hmm. Like be a peacemaker instead of a troublemaker. That's one of my slogans. So the more that you open up the gap, which is the practice of being still or just practicing breathing, the more you can find peace. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be war it's just that we don't have to live in the war all the time. You said the thing about the suffering, Peter, that there's a suffering, but there's an addendum to that. You don't have to suffer from the suffering. There will always be suffering, but you don't have to suffer from the suffering. You don't have to suffer from the suffering full-time. You don't have to make it your full-time job. I'm going to wear suffering on my face. And my God's better than your God, and my party's better than your party, and by golly, I'm going to do it my way. And we ain't going to have no peace, because all we want to do is argue and talk about who's right, and whose God is better, you know? And all of that affects our system, and we're here to heal. And you know what? Nurses don't know their power. And I want you to know your power. My big uh, takeaway here is to empower you, empower other people, not steal their power, not make them feel lesser, make everybody that you're with empower them, make them feel better.
2: That's powerful. And I, and I think what you mentioned too with the collect, collective consciousness is we always want to just be right or have all this egoistic ways of getting in the way of ourselves that ruins us as a whole that doesn't create the room for healing. A Last episode, we had somebody on from forensic nursing and she mentioned that a lot of trends that she sees comes down to inner child trauma or your inner child being hurt and the trauma is continuing. So... We're talking about healing we're talking about that voice that we hear but what if it's the voice of trauma that's that's talking to us that's always creating like you mentioned suffering and on this earth we're meant to go through challenges to suffer but we're not meant to wear that just like you said which is so powerful so how do you begin healing that inner child that people have experienced because we all have some kind of traumatic experience and and different colors of of hurt that we've experienced in our life
0: Yeah. On that note, um, once upon a time, I found an interesting tidbit, I don't know if it's truth, that many nurses come from the homes of an alcoholic. They come from one of the parents is an alcoholic or, or an addict. I found that very interesting. Whether it's true or not, we've all had our traumas. You know, there's a whole a whole feast menu of traumas. And how do we deal with that? Man, I've been dealing with it since I was a child. I'm still dealing with my trauma. But guess what? Um, The light um, is shining so that I don't live in the trauma anymore. The thing is, is I'm not sure that it's possible to forget the trauma, to heal the trauma, hundred percent. I do believe that it's possible to get perspective. Um, I know for myself and so many, so many that I've worked with, so many, that we don't have to live there. It doesn't have to be our label. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be the first one in the group to say stand up and say, I want you to hear all about my trauma. I feel that... um, It's these soul practices that you can explore whether, you know, whether it's the yoga or other holistic modalities or it's traditional psychology or um, other modalities that help to heal the wounded heart, the body, mind, and the soul, that we can um, hold back the veils. So say, here we got uh, we got a hundred percent trauma sitting here between my hands, right? I don't know what to do with it. Damn. I've been carrying it for so long. I'm so tired of carrying it. Well, as we explore these modalities again, for me, the key is we have to hand it over to something that's greater than ourselves. Because otherwise, it's hubris. I love that word. H-U-B-R-I-S, hubris. You know, to think that we're gods, that we can do it all ourselves. I can do it myself. I'm a marine. Mm -hmm. When we admit that we're helpless and hopeless, and that's a big one. But for me, that's the turning point. And we hand it over. And we start to get support and help from others who also are tired of carrying this pain story, these soul wounds. Sometimes, as I've learned, they are contracts that we've signed up for from generations that are passed on by generations. And you can be the generation that ends that pain story. Now, I know that's out there, but I'm an out there kind of woman. okay? But I'm also down here. Okay, because remember, we talked about consciousness, the material world versus the immaterial world, but we're living in both, okay? And with that, instead of it taking up this much space, we slowly start to close the gap on how much time we spend getting off on the pain story, Because it's proven in the molecules of emotion by Candace Pert that we're so messed up, okay? I mean, we love our drugs and our toxic, okay? And they come in many forms. And some of it is getting off on beating yourself up and on your pain story. And it's proven, it's like, shoot me up, let me live that story again and again and again, and I'm going to get off on it, by golly. And I'm not lovable and nobody's going to love me. And if they ever really knew the truth about who I am, oh my God.
2: So we we loop in it. We loop in the, the victim mentality, essentially.
0: That's right. So we need practices to get us out of that programming. It's a program. It is. It's a program. And we can reprogram ourselves. 100%? 100%? Any, any improvement is better than no improvement, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the more that we increase, now we come back to the gap. So, in one sense of the word, we're closing down on the pain story that we're getting off on. Okay. But how do we do that? By opening the gap through practices like mindfulness peacefulness and if that's not your jam, then go to Swans Island, Maine and go out on the ocean and throw a hook in the water, or walk through the forest, or 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 get in touch with nature. Look at the stars. Mm-hmm. Get grounded.
1: Yeah, those are those are all very, very good points. And I just want to reflect back like on what you said in the in the beginning. And you said that you believe that a lot of nurses or you heard or research shows that a lot of nurses come from trauma. And that kind of makes sense. A lot of nurses that I've spoken to, they definitely do come from trauma and it's almost like the way you heal yourself is by healing others. In a sense, you, you try to compensate that all that stuff you went through, even though you can't go back and change what has happened. You try to change someone else's life to almost prevent them having some kind of a trauma going into the future. so that's like almost like you said it's it's a holy work right it's what we're basically trying to do is because we as nurses know how it feels to get traumatized to get hurt and we don't want anybody else to feel that and it's a double-edged sword because we spend most of our lives trying to help others and prevent this trauma or help them heal their trauma and yet we ignore our trauma and we never really think about ourselves because working in a hospital you, especially in the ICU, the ER, you see people coming with these crazy illnesses, these crazy situations, and you're always looking back and, and looking back at your life and thinking, what I went through isn't so bad. This person has it worse. So you're never addressing your initial problems. You're always addressing someone else's problems because you always see that your problems are not as valuable or not as important or not as, not as bad. So like Matt said, you get stuck in this loop of just always dealing with your trauma over and over again because a nurse's way of trying to treat that trauma is trying to help somebody else but you can't help yourself if you don't help yourself you can't help yourself if you spend your whole life trying to help somebody else you have to diverge from that and realize that hey you're you're just as in need of help as your patients are so one of the very strong things that i recommend for all nurses to do is just talk about it talk about your problems talk about your stress talk about your trauma because that's initially that's that's initially what you're doing to your patients. You're talking them through with their problems, but we never really talk about our problems as nurses. We just help others, and we have this 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 flaw. It's a double-edged sword. It's 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 a, it's a gift and a curse. We're so good at helping others, but yeah, we're so bad at helping ourselves.
2: And that And that where can people find your work and what
0: you're currently up to? It's easy. YogaNurse.com Dot com yoga nurse you know i have online courses i have the yoga nurse essentials which basically is essentially covering but in more depth more juicy the overview that i gave you today that's our you know our flagship and best and most popular program thousands from all over the world by the grace of the higher power if i can say um with gratitude and uh, yeah, you, you know, you, you really, you really um, articulated it, uh, both of you. The loop, Matt, and uh, you know, Peter, uh, that talking that nurses need to talk about it. But at a certain point, what do we do after we talk? There's a next step. You know, talking is good. The next step is how we take action. So for me, The way that I could do it is I did it for myself, but I wanted to do something that I could do with other people, other nurses, and my patients. Why? So I would do it. I became a yoga teacher in summary, so I'd show up. I I had to force myself to do it for myself so that I could continue to serve and help others and also feel worthy to help me to heal from my wounds of my own personal traumas and be able to look at myself in the mirror and feel I bring something to the world as we all do. It's really been an honor with both of you.
1: It's been an honor with you as well. And
2: thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for your time. It's um, your wealth of knowledge in this space and you seem very lighthearted and freeing. And it's nice to have your presence here to talk about consciousness and how we could heal collectively as as healthcare and make a difference like that. So thank you for your time and we would definitely love to have you on again because we have so many more questions that we want to ask.
0: Oh, that would be fabulous. I would love that.
2: Okay. Thank you so much for your time and that. See you again.
0: Thank you all, all love to all nurses everywhere.